0: Well, it's a pleasure to be with you again, and uh, looking forward to sharing God's Word with you this morning. Um, But before we get started, let me pray for us one more time. Lord, uh, we just thank you for this moment. We just thank you for this time. We just thank you for this opportunity to hear from you, Lord, and you yourself, Lord, Jesus said. that your sheep hear your voice. And so, Great Shepherd, we ask that we might hear your voice this morning. Let us recognize it. Let us hear it, Lord. Let us heed it. Let us follow you in it, Lord, wherever you would lead us. Help us uh, be willing, Lord, to, to trust and to obey, Lord, to trust your word and your truth, God, more than all the competing voices Lord, that are vying for our hearts and our minds today. Let our minds be saturated with your truth and with your scriptures, God, more than anything else. Give us the mind of Christ, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can turn to uh, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. If you're joining us in person, the scripture there should be on your your sheet. But the sermon this morning is entitled, Don't Worry, Be Holy. Don't Worry, Be Holy. I'm guessing many of you have heard of a man named George Mueller. Um, George Mueller is uh, well known for the orphanage that he uh, ran in Bristol, England. Um, uh, George Mueller is noted for his uh, great faith, especially... um, uh, and in his his great uh his incredible prayer life uh he grew he grew con- convicted uh in his in his personal ministry uh, that he did not want to ask or solicit funds in fact uh he even in his the, the first church that he took he refused uh, he eventually re- decided to refuse his salary uh and which was paid for <laughs> which was paid for by renting pews you had to pay money to rent the pews and of course the the more wealthier people could afford the better seats and he said that contradicts scripture in in the in James showing preferential treatment to the rich so he he, he but that's how his salary was paid so he said he canceled all all those those pew you know the 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 pew rentals and that's what it was called uh pews were free <laughs> And he, and then his salary was paid only by what the people freely gave, not, not to receive something. This continued when he, the Lord led him to start an orphanage, which was provided for solely by unsolicited donations. He did not ask people for donations. He, he, the only person that God asked for, for provision was, was God. God was the only one he asked things from. And he trusted God who, Owned everything to give. In fact, this is what he said. He said, this home, this orphanage, will only be established if God provides the means and suitable staff to, to 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 run it. I don't look to Bristol, nor even to England, but the living God, whose is the gold and the silver. So in other words, you know, he saw the, the ultimate reality behind... Uh, uh, the meeting of needs and that is that God is the one who owns it all and if he should release it then we'll have it. And so he's the one we should ask primarily. Uh, perhaps the most famous story concerning his orphanage was um, uh, is told by a daughter of one of the one of the staff at the orphanage. Uh, she, she recounted one time that George uh, she was in the, uh, the the home and George led her to the dining room. And um, and uh, when they got to the dining room, however, for for breakfast, for breakfast, uh, they had no food. And and George prayed. He said, and this is how George prayed. He said, "Dear Father, we thank Thee for what Thou art going to give us to eat." They had no food. At that moment, there was a knock on the door. A baker was the one who was knocking. Who said that he had been un- unable to sleep that night. Because he, the Lord had convicted him and he was sure that the Lord wanted him to make bread for all the orphans. So he apparently stayed up that night making bread for the orphans. And then, right at that same moment, another knock came at the door. And it was a milkman whose milk cart had broke down right in front of the orphanage. And he gave all the milk to the, the orphans. And so they had fresh bread and milk for breakfast. Jesus said don't worry about what you eat, about what you wear. Don't you know that your heavenly father loves you and he cares for you? God owns it all. His hand is not shortened so that he cannot save. And it may precisely be in that moment when when all that we have, you know, when it when, when we have no other, when we have exhausted our human wisdom in in provi- providing and taking care of it, it may be in that very moment God wants to show us, "I've been taking care of you the whole time, and I'm not going to stop." And that's what we're going to see in this passage this morning. Don't worry, be holy, from Matthew chapter six. So, if you have a Bible, you can join me there. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse 25. I'm going to read through verse 34. Jesus says, "Therefore I tell you." What I want to see, what I want us to see this morning, is three reasons not to worry. Three reasons not to worry. Number one, we we shouldn't worry because God cares. Because God cares. Number two, we shouldn't worry because God God knows. God knows. And number three, we shouldn't worry because God is sufficient. Because God is sufficient. First, we shouldn't worry because God cares because God cares so we can look at this passage here and if you look back in verse 25 you'll see that Jesus says therefore I tell you do not be anxious about your life what you will eat or what you'll drink nor about your body what you'll put on is not life more than food and the body more than clothing and note there that the verse begins with a with a therefore and so you know we have to ask then what what's the therefore therefore right there's a logical connection uh, b- between what he had just said and this passage here about not being anxious. Uh, it, the, his his uh, his command not to be anxious follows It's the logical conclusion of what he had just said before. And if you'll look there in your Bibles, you'll see that what is he just talked about? Well, he talked about laying treasures. Uh, don't lay up treasures on earth, right? But lay up treasures in heaven. In fact, immediately prior he had just said that no one can serve two masters verse 24 for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to one and despise the other you cannot serve God and money and so um, and so we have to ask then what's the connection right what's the connection that Jesus is making for us what's the connection between storing our treasures in heaven Uh, what's the connection between we can't serve two masters God and money What's the connection between that and the fact that we shouldn't be anxious and that He commands us not to be anxious? What's What's the connection? Well, I think I think the connection is this: that one way to, to think about it is He He says there we can't serve two masters. So so we talked about it at, uh, you know last week. But what are way What are ways that we can serve money? What are ways that we serve money? Well, one way that we serve money that we talked about is that. We serve money when we accumulate it or, or gather it, thinking that if, if we have it, we'll be happy, we'll be secure, we'll be safe. You know, we, we, we serve money by working for it, thinking that if we have it, it will make us happy. Right. And in that sense, money is our master. Right. We serve it thinking it'll make us happy. We serve it looking for happiness, peace, security, comfort. We think in the abundance, we think in the abundance of things or in the security of things, we have ultimate happiness and security. That's one way that we serve money. But there, I think the connection between that passage and this passage is this that there is another way to serve money. There is another way to serve money. Another way to be enslaved to money and wealth and possessions is not to store them up, but to worry about them. You see, you can be enslaved to money by by accumulating stuff. That's one way. There's another way you can be enslaved to money by worrying about it. Either way, it consumes you. Either way, uh, it reveals a heart that is just as focused on stuff and on this world as it is uh, rather than the next world. Martin Lord Jones put it like this. He said, it doesn't matter very much to Satan what form sin takes as long as he succeeds in his ultimate objective. It is immaterial to him whether you are laying up treasures on earth or worrying about earthly things. All he is concerned about is that your mind should be on them and not on God. So either way, it's the same. And so that's the that's the logical connection. We can serve money either by accumulating stuff or worrying about stuff. Either way, we have believed lie that our life consists primarily in stuff. That our life consists primarily in things that our life consists primarily in possessions, right? And that's exactly what Jesus says there in verse 25. Is not life more than food? Is not your body more than clothing? When we amass stuff or when we worry about stuff, we have believed the lie that our life inherently consists in what we do or do not possess. And Jesus says, you miss the whole point of life if you live like that. Jesus said, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. In other words, there's a whole, the the fundamental aspect of reality of our lives is spiritual realities. And God wants us to live primarily for those things. And because of that, God has made this promise through Christ, saying that he he promises to provide those things to us so that we can live for the most most important things. And so Jesus' axiom holds true. You really can't serve two masters. You really can't be focused on getting materially ahead in life, or you can't really be focused or or overwhelmed by anxiety about life's possessions and still serve God and focus on Him. You can't focus, you can't ultimately focus on more than one thing. One thing is ultimate, and it will either be God or stuff and Jesus would free you from that anxiety. Jesus would free us from that anxiety. That's why he says don't don't be anxious, right? Many people in this world are overwhelmed with anxiety, and Jesus would free you from that. Jesus would set you free from your anxiety. Free to give you the fullest possible satisfaction in life in serving the one for whom you were made. And how does God how does God set us free? How does Jesus set us free from worry? He sets us he sets us free from worry and anxiety by doing what? By telling us the truth. By giving us facts to counteract the lies. And that and so that, that means that just like everything else in the Christian life, freedom from worry comes through what? Faith. Faith in the promises of God. Faith in what in what Jesus has taught us. Faith in what Jesus is teaching us about the nature of God and our relationship to Him through Jesus Christ. And so when we worry, the the reason why we're worrying, to put it bluntly, is unbelief. It's unbelief. Because in that moment, we are believing the lies that the world or our our minds are telling us rather than God's word. Because how does Jesus teach us to combat anxiety? By telling us what? The truth. Brute facts. What's What's the brute fact that Jesus is telling us? The brute fact is this. That God cares about you if you are his child. And he and he illustrates this. He says, look at the birds. Look at the birds. The birds don't farm. The birds don't have 401Ks. The birds don't have insurance policies. The bird wakes up in the morning and guess what? He goes and looks for food and guess what? He finds it. Why? Because God is feeding him. That's why. They're, they're, I mean, just think about it. There, there are, uh, just for example, there are birds, there's a bird somewhere in the depth of the Amazon jungle that no human being will have even known that this individual bird existed. This bird will be born and this bird will die and no one will have even known that this bird existed and yet God fed it today. Why? Because God cares. And if God cares about birds that nobody else cares about, how much more does he care about his children? If a bird can wake up without anxiety and find food this morning, can't we wake up who are children of the Most High God through Jesus Christ and not be be anxious today? Jesus also says, look at the flowers. Look at the flowers. Flowers don't work; they don't spin thread. And you know, and uh, and uh, Easter wasn't too long ago, and and there, you know, and there's many people's yards that that were, and, and you know, people brought their their lilies. And to me, I mean, the lily is one of the most beautiful flowers. I mean, they're just it's stunning. I mean, if you just you and they're just all different; these vibrant, beautiful colors. I mean, and Jesus really isn't exaggerating. I mean, the nature of the the beauty of nature and something like a lily is it really is? It's magnificent, even more magnificent that, than Jesus said than than Solomon and all of his royal splendor. And if you take a lily in full bloom and you just look at it and focus on it, you'll see the incredible beauty of it. But then also think about the nature of that lily. A lily blooms for a week, two or three and then it wilts and then it dies and then it's over but what is Jesus saying? Jesus saying God made that lily that thing which was so beautiful even though it only lasted for for a few fleeting days right? yet God made it beautiful God clothed it in splendor and and again, and again, Jesus says, Don't you know, child of God, that you are more valuable to God than a flower? If God's going to clothe the lilies, He's going to take care of you. If He's going to take care of something that's here one minute and gone the next, how much more is He going to take care of you? Oh, you of little faith. And then Jesus goes on even beyond this to say, Who by being anxious can add a single hour to His span of life? Birds don't worry. Flowers don't worry. And yet we worry. And this is how the nature of sin. I had a seminary professor one time. He just put it real bluntly. He said this. He said, sin makes you stupid. Sin makes you stupid. It does. That's true. Why? Because every single human being who will think about it knows this. Knows what? Knows that worrying about something doesn't make it better. Right? Right? Have you ever worried about anything, and you're worrying about it made it made it better? Has that ever happened in the history of humanity? Not one time. And yet, what do all of us do? Worry, even when we don't, even when we know it doesn't work. Why? Because sin makes you stupid. It makes you it makes you believe lies. It makes you do things that don't actually accord with reality. Who, by being anxious, can add a single sparrow? Power to his span of life. Uh, my brother-in-law is here this morning. Hey, Nick, and um, he's a physical therapist. And we were talking. We were having a conversation. There are there are well-established public, uh, I mean, uh, published studies that talk about how one's mental state is a is a is a better indicator of 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 pain than than actual physical ailments. In, in other words, um, if 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 two people, let's say, have the same bodily ailments, but one is just anxious or or depressed or something like that, that person is more likely to report more or severe or more pain or more severe pain than the person who has the same exact ailment, but not. And that it, it's not it's not just mental; it's not it's it's neurological. They really do feel that pain, but that pain is not because of a greater physical ailment, but because of a of a of a uh, you know a mental neurological state anxiety and worry actually hurt you they actually they actually make your physical condition worse you your experience of that physical condition worse and so and so how many how many lives have even been cut short by agonizing in vain over things that they cannot control but only god can control what does jesus christ want to do he wants to set you free He wants to set you free from your anxieties and your worries. And the way he sets you free is this, to tell you that God really cares about you. The question is, are you going to trust Jesus more than your anxieties? Are you going to trust God with your concerns? Are you going to see God as bigger than your concerns? That's the ultimate question. We sing a song about it. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. You know, we have four children. There is a remarkable freedom in being a child. I look at my children sometime, and they're playing Legos, which is about all they do. And, um, and you know what my children are worried about? They're worried about who's gonna who's gonna find that perfect piece that's missing to complete their Lego plane. They're they're worried about who's gonna win the Lego plane race. Okay, they're 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 worried about that. Okay, that's not that's not real worry, right? They're not you know they're not they're not worried about you know things like what am I gonna wear, what am I gonna eat. They're not worried about things like that. Why? Because they might not they might not be able to verbalize it, but back in their minds they don't worry about it. Why? because mom and daddy are going to take care of it. Right? That's why they're not worried. Because mom and daddy are going to take care of it. There are things that I do like pay bills and things like that that my kids probably they don't even know that I do that. Right? That things that directly relate to their uh, you know they're being taken care of in this world that I'm doing for them to make sure that they're taken care of and they don't even they don't even know that I'm doing it. And yet it gets done. And they don't worry about it. Have you ever thought of the fact that there's a billion and one things that God did today so that you could even wake up this morning? There's a billion and one things so, a sovereign working of the, of the hand of God over society, over this community, over the hearts and minds of men and the workings of nations and the, all the way to the proper functioning of yourselves and the beating of your heart. There's a billion and one things God did today so that you could even wake up this morning. And yet here you are. Why? Because God cares about you. Because God cares about you. We don't like to put it this way, but sometimes we have to, sometimes we have to, to feel the weight of what's actually taking place. When we become anxious or worried about something, what we are telling God is we are saying, God, I don't trust you with this. That's what, that's what worry is. Worry is telling God, God, I don't trust you with this. God would set you free. God would set you free from your anxieties and worries by, by doing what? By being God and saying, trust me. I care about the birds, I care about the flowers. How much more do I care about you? Believe me, trust me. That is going to take care of it. So number one, God cares and number two, number two, God knows. God knows. We see this in verses 31 through 33 there. He says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So note, there are are three different types. So this is number two. We're going to get to number three. But there are three times in this passage that God, that Jesus says, "Don't be anxious." So He repeats Himself three times. Why? Because He's serious. He's serious. Don't be anxious. You know the, uh, you know, in Hebrew. I mean, well, in every re- language, really. I mean, repetition it means emphasis. The third time is superlative. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Don't be anxious. Believe, believe that God cares. Believe that He, feed, as He feeds the bird and clothes the flowers, He'll take care of us. God cares, and here we see that God knows. The Gentiles seek after these things, He says, but your Heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Gentiles, you know, refers to the, 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 the pagan, the, the, the pagan Gentiles who didn't know the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and they worshipped all kinds of false gods, and you know, for, for our perspective and for our purposes, he's, he's just basically talking about unbelievers, right? People who don't know God, people who don't believe in God, they worry about these things. You know, and, and, and we can understand that, right? We can understand that. If, you know, if you don't believe in God, or, or the truth about reality, if you, you know, if, 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 if God is not real, if there's not a, if there's not an eternity coming, where and, and, and if there's not a God who is going to punish evil, reward righteousness, and and, and make every uh, uh, make right every wrong, then, then you know and and we'll live forever in a world free from sin. I mean, if that isn't true, then guess what? This world is all there is. And if this world is all that there is, then guess what? You should do. You should worry about this life. You should be anxious about it. Because guess what? That's all you got. And then it's over. And then who knows what. That's that's how an unbeliever lives. That's how a person doesn't believe, know, and trust God lives. But Jesus is saying what? He's saying, but that's not how you're supposed to live. Anxiety is a sign of what? It's, an unbel- it's, it's unbelief. But the follower of Christ, a sign of the follower of Christ is what? Faith. Confidence. Not worrying about things. That's a sign. It's a sign that we're not like that, that we believe differently. It, it shows our confidence in God, shows the world that what? That we don't view our lives as the sum total of our possessions or of our earthly stat or, st- uh, status or stature pagans live that way but we don't live that way our lives are not the sum total of our possessions we don't have to make material things our ultimate concern because they're not God's ultimate concern and God is keen on allowing and enabling and empowering his people to live for that which really matters and since he is and because of that he says you live for what really matters and I'll take care of the rest. You live for what really matters. And I'll take care of this so that you can live for that one thing. Jesus says God knows that you need them all. God knows what you need. God knows what you need. God knows what you need better than you do. And notice he said God know God knows what you need. That you, God knows that you need them all. In other words, God is personally and intimately acquainted with your personal situation. Everyone listening to this sermon right now, you have, you know, we all have a very a different situations in life, and sometimes we, you know, and it's easy to be overwhelmed by anxiety over different things. But that forgets what? It forgets that God, God knows you. Your situation isn't familiar, to, unfamiliar to Him. In fact, He knows the complexities of your situation better than you do. He knows what you need and sometimes what we think we need we don't even we don't even really need i, I went through and if i counted right if i counted right your fa- when he says your father in heaven knows that you need them all the, if i counted right this is the 12th time in just chapter 6 of Matthew that Jesus refers to God as our father the 12th time 10 plus 2 in in chapter 6 of the book of Matthew, that Jesus refers to God as our Father. Jesus is trying to tell us something. He's trying to say that God cares. If you're a parent that cares about your children, I want to tell you something. God cares about you way more than you even care about your own children. He's watching, he knows. And how then are we supposed to live? That's what Jesus says in verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. You see what Jesus is saying here? He's not trying to lay a burden on us. He's trying to set us free. He's saying he's trying to set us free from enslavement to anxiety and worry set us free to do the one thing that will give that that we were made to do that will bring us the greatest joy and bring him the greatest glory and that is live for him seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you you know this is a powerful verse this is a verse I think we really need to hear today because there's a lot of things out there that people are seeking they're seeking this, they're seeking that. If I could just have this, if I could just have that. If we could just actualize this situation. And I'm not saying those things aren't bad. But I'm saying it's interesting that what Jesus tells His church. He's saying there are things, there are things out there that you want. There are, In fact, there are things out there that you need. And yet the ironic thing is this. He's saying, but if you really want them, don't seek them. Seek me. And I'll throw in the rest. Even the things that you need, if you seek them, you ultimately won't get them. But if you seek me, I'll give you everything else. You'll get me. If you seek things, you just might get things, but you won't get God and you'll ultimately lose your things. But if you seek God, if you seek Jesus Christ, you get God and everything else and that for for, for forever. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. So there's a contrast. If he's commanding us to seek first the kingdom of God, implicit then is that otherwise we have been seeking not first kingdom of God, but seeking first stuff. You can only seek one thing first. And Jesus says, seek me. Seek me. We let fear of provision, fear of our circumstances keep us from bold acts of obedience to Christ. I know I, I, know I have. You know, Like George Mueller, you would think, you know, that's kind of that's kind of foolish. You're not even going to ask people for stuff. But guess what? Can you imagine? But can you imagine how exhilarating and how faith-inspiring and how humbling? It would have been to be George Mueller and to say, dear God, I thank you for what you're going to give us today. And at that moment, there's a knock on the door. If we never put ourselves in a situation where we rely only on God, then we'll never be in a situation where we can see God do what only God can do. You know, if Peter would have never stepped out of the boat, he would have never walked on water. There are aspects of God's power that we'll never see as long as we're relying on our own strength. And God, and, and the thing that that keeps us, ironically, the th- ironically, the thing that keeps us from taking steps of faith is worry. <laughs> is worry, uh, and, and the thing, the thing that we need to be worried about is not things; it's our, <laughs> it's ourselves. Out of worry, we try to control things that we can't control anyways. It's absurd. Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and my righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Why? Because God cares and God knows. And finally, number three, God is sufficient. God is sufficient. Verse 34 Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So, this is the third time in 10 verses that Jesus says, Do not be anxious. This time he says, for tomorrow will be anxious about itself. Sufficient is the day for its own trouble. It's so easy to worry about the future. It's so easy to worry about. We, we worry about basically anything and everything that we don't feel like we're in control of. But see, Jesus would cast that out of our lives by saying, But don't, but but don't you know him who is in control of it? And don't you trust him who is in control of it? We can fear the future. <clears throat> we can fear the future. But Jesus is saying, look, God's going to take care of it. God's going to work it out. God's going to deal with it. It's going to be okay. You know, it, when, we, when, when, the, when tragedy strikes or we, we suffer a loss or a diagnosis, for example someone might say to us, well, it's all going to be okay. And you know, that feels very trite. It feels very superficial. It doesn't feel very comforting. But I want to suggest to you that if we understand the Bible and believe it, the reality is, is that it really is going to be okay. No, what we have just experienced is severe. What you have just experienced may be severely painful and it very well may last to the end of this life. But one crucial thing you can't forget is this life isn't all that there is. There is an eternity beyond this life that's coming. And if you have trusted in Christ, then guess what? There is no permanent sorrow for the believer of God. A day is coming when every tear will be wiped away. And pain and sorrow and crying will be no more for the former things will have passed away. It really will be okay. There is no situation that can threaten, ultimately threaten those who follow Jesus Christ. One of the most powerful witnesses of this in the scripture, I think, is John 10, 27 through 29. Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You see what Jesus is saying? They're mine. My sheep are mine. They belong to me. They know my voice. My Father has given them to me. My Father is greater than everything. So nothing can take you out of my hand. Not your situation, not your sorrow, not your loss, not your hurt, not your wound, not your pain, not your earthly or social status. Nothing can take you out of Christ's hand. So don't be anxious about tomorrow don't be anxious about tomorrow today has enough concern of its own what's Jesus saying Jesus says be free don't worry about tomorrow today has enough worry of its own I'm going to take care of you today and tomorrow so don't worry about it remember in the wilderness the Jews could only gather enough manna for that day why because God was teaching them teaching them what I'm going to take care of you today and tomorrow. You woke up this morning and there was bread on the ground. And guess what? You're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be more bread on the ground. Why? Because I'm God. And I care about you. So don't worry about tomorrow. If Christ loves us today, he's not going to stop loving us tomorrow. Today has enough trouble of its own. Trust God today. Today for today. Trust Him tomorrow, for tomorrow. One final verse to read as I close. In the parallel passage to this in Luke chapter 12, Jesus puts it this way. He says, Do not seek what you are to eat, what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek His kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, Little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. You see that? God is not reluctant, God is not reluctant to give you the kingdom. He delights to give you the kingdom. And he's going to give it to you. So don't be afraid. Don't fear. As I close this morning, what I want to say uh, in closing is this. There's lots of things that we could be worried about in life, but Jesus says, Don't worry about them. Trust in me. This all of this language, of course. And and God is our Father. all of that language, of course, Jesus is speaking to believers. He's speaking to those who know God as their Father through Jesus Christ. But we must be clear, and I want to be clear this morning, that this promise, this hope, this joy isn't for everyone. If you don't know God as your Father through Jesus Christ, you should be worried. You should be worried, not even ultimately about what's going on in this world. You should be worried about eternity that is to come. what we will do when we stand before God. But see, God, through Jesus Christ, has even went to unimaginable lengths to meet that great need, too. That need that we have of forgiveness of our sins so that we can become the children of God. And He worked that through His own Son. When Jesus Christ came in the flesh, lived a life without sin, died, on the cross paying the penalty for our sin so that God could both punish sin and forgive it. And he rose from the dead showing that he truly had conquered sin and its penalty and therefore everyone who believes in him and turns from their sin and trusts in him will be forgiven of our sin, adopted into the family of God so that with Jesus Christ we can truly say God our Father. And if if God through Christ has taken away our greatest fear of eternal separation from God, can't he not take away every other fear as well? Fear not, little flock, for it is God's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Let's pray.